All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Howlerpod.com is where you can go to find all these things on the World Wide Web. And don't forget to rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will skin you alive and peel your rib cage apart and rip your lungs out and throw them in front of you while you don't scream. <laughs> and now, Howlerpod. Oh! Hello, Howlers! Welcome to Howlerpod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow! I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers! We are podcasting six feet apart under the watch of the pandemic. You're corona me crazy. <laughs> what are we podcasting about today, Aaron? Murder. <laughs> what chapters? Chapters uh, 74 to 77 of Dark Age. Let's go ahead and load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits or lose our hearts. Or lungs, or get castrated. It's this is a ho- horrible, brutal out there. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I'm scared to go outside for other reasons. <laughs> Chapter seventy-four. Ephraim, son of the rising. Ephraim to the rescue. After receiving Lyria's SOS, Ephraim, Electra, and Pax boosted the signal to Mars. Mars. All of Mars. <laughs> Think. Uh, Rise of Skywalker, Ben's favorite movie. (laughs) (laughs) When the citizens of the galaxy come to help the resistance and they all come in on their own ships. That's what I thought of. All the people who have a bone to pick with the red hand show up in their own aircraft or some of them are all in someone else's aircraft ready to get on the ground and start firing. Ephraim comes in and he takes the lead. A big torch ship is blocking their path. So Pax expertly flies the snowball to make a crazy dope move, sneaking th- the ship in between a big wave and, th- and the torch ship, and he blows up the side of it, destroying their gravity engines and sinking them into the sea. Kerplunk is the noise it made. <laughs> when uh, the three exit their ship, the snowball, the citizens are all shocked when they recognize Electra and Pax, who is still wearing the pilot's halo. Is that a kid? Is that a kid? (laughs) Oh, shit. So this is the start of his legend, the first boy. The crowd chants his father's name as he walks through them. And then Ephraim enters the mine. He's wanting to find Volga, but he's scared that she didn't survive. When Lyria sees Ephraim, and she bursts into fits of laughter and falls on the ground laughing like, you're the one who saved us? Like, that's fucking hilarious. Because <laughs> the reason we're here is you. <laughs> Volga then comes up and wraps Ephraim in a big hug, and it's super emotional. Mm-hmm. Then Victra <laughs> storms toward Ephraim <laughs> with a pulse rifle held up like a gun, ready to shoot him. And Volga sets a hand on her shoulder, and she stops, which is surprising. That she listened to her. Well, it's not surprising to us, mm-hmm. but it's surprising to Ephraim. Victra heaves a sob and she stumbles off into the tree line. Later, Ephraim is in the care of the Julii Medici. Volga and Ephraim catch each other up on where they've been since they parted. Um, and remember, last time they saw each other, they were on the balcony and they had a fight. And that was a long time ago. Ephraim apologizes, but Volga says she would worse off without him 
Pax brings Ephraim a hollow drop from Victra. It's Xenophon betraying Sephi and being a two-timing little shit. So Pax tells Ephraim he needs to go back to Sephi and warn her. Chapter 75, Ephraim Granier. Ephraim sneaks back into Griffinhold past the extra security measures he helped put into place, and he slips into Osgard's room. After scaring him awake, Ephraim plays the holodrop and tells him the plan. They're going to rally the Skugi and break Valdir out of his cell so he can help them convince Sephi of Xenophon's betrayal. The Skugi and Osgard go to the jail to get the unshorn, while Ephraim makes a move on Xenophon. When Ephraim sneaks in, he sees the Fear Knight Atlas off fucking raw on the screen, giving Xenophon a message. Ephraim jumps down into the hologram and pistol whips the white in the face, knocking them over. Xenophon and Ephraim then discuss the white's betrayal, and they are super open about it, sharing too much. Ephraim then realizes he's got Ascomani surrounding him, and he can't escape. And then Xenophon hits the heart spike button. Uh, Ephraim, he acts like he has a heart heart attack, but uh-oh. And Ascomani comes in and kicks Ephraim in the face, knocking him unconscious. He and Osgard get taken to Sephi, who has assembled all of the obsidian outside of Griffinhold. She's giving a speech to everyone, telling them they have found the traitors and that they attempted to free Valdir. Ephraim's like, Osgard, did you actually get Valdir free? And Osgard's like, I don't know, man, I'm freaking out. And uh, Sephi is planning to repair things with the Republic and is awaiting them to arrive on their shuttle uh, in a few minutes. She's going to show them these traitors and then try and repair the relationship there. Uh, the shuttle lands and Xenophon starts walking toward it and then shit just goes haywire from there. Xenophon is like, Sephi, are you a god? Are you a god? <laughs> and then they say, they do not obey her, only him. They then introduce... Ragnar's dad and sings an obsidian song in perfect Nagal about Volsung Fa and presents the monster himself with like all these great titles. This is getting very music theater. <laughs> yeah. And I like it. Well, I don't like it, but you know, you know what I mean. It was one mightier for our mother's reign. That was perfect, Nagal. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Chapter 76, Ephraim, he who walks the void, Volsung Fa walks out of the shuttle and everybody's like, oh shit, including Sefi, who then quickly hides the shock and horror on her face. Fa declares her throne, mine, mine, mine. In the audiobook, he goes, mine. <laughs> and then he points at her crown, mine. That's a pretty good impression. <laughs> Sefi says that her father is dead and that he ain't her daddy and tells her Valkyrie to take out this imposter. Volsam fought, then brutally kills the Valkyrie that attack him. And uh, it's pretty sad to watch. He just kind of spins around and kills everybody. He then tells his story and takes off his helmet, telling Sefi to look upon his face and say she does not know him. Sefi's pretty much shocked, silent, Sefi the quiet, <laughs> repeating, no, her father is dead. Fa then produces a piece of a broken griffin amulet. The other piece belonged to Sefi's mother, Aaliyah Snow Sparrow, and was buried with her. Fa then starts laying the seeds to overthrow the matriarchy, appealing to the men of the Obsidian tribes with some clever politicking. He challenges Sefi, and she accepts, because she has to, because she can't just shoot him because of tribal, you know, Honor traditions. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been like, okay, boom. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and kill this guy. Let's just <laughs> nuke this whole area. Baby nuke his face. He seems like a problem. Let's shoot him. Yes. <laughs> Sefi and Volsung strip themselves of their armor and prepare to fight. Sefi only lasts a minute before she's stabbed about six different times and unable to move. Fa then brutally blood eagles her in front of everyone. She does not scream. He then eats her heart, declaring her worthy. Osgard then, in extreme grief and pretty much insanity, 
stabs out his other eye, the only good one, with a knife. And then Fa turns to the rest of the obsidians gathered and declares himself their new leader, telling them all to sack the city of Olympia. I have to read this one, huh? All right. Chapter 77, Ephraim. Worthy. Xenophon asks Ephraim if he has thought any more about their offer to become a Gorgon. Ephraim plays along and says, yeah, I'm considering it, but I want to talk to the big guy about it first. Just want to see some references, <laughs> like what's your mission statement? <laughs> Xenophon takes him to Volsung Fa and they chat for a bit. Ephraim pretty much just wheels off and insults Fa right away. So Fa's like, well, I'm going to kill this guy. Fuck him. And uh, let's make it look like a heart attack. He wants to use Ephraim's accidental, quote unquote, death as a way to manipulate Volga. Xenophon goes to activate the heart spike, but little do they know that the heart spike is now in their own pocket. And oh yeah, it's got a bomb strapped to it. The bomb goes off, killing Xenophon, and for all intents and purposes, Ephraim too. Laying on the ground, his body broken and mangled, Ephraim thinks about Volga and how his act of sacrifice has given her a chance to live without Fa coming after her. That is until Fa eclipses his vision with half his face blown off, but still alive. He grabs Ephraim's heart from his chest and takes a bite while declaring him worthy one last time. He is worthy. He is. He is. And very dead. <laughs> Super dead now. <laughs> you thought he was dead at the end of Iron Gold. He's most certainly dead now. He's, yeah. I don't think you can go on with a heart, especially one with a bite in it. That's just not good circulation. Good protein, though, for Fa. <laughs> all right, that's what happened this week. Now we need to know the theme that ties all these chapters together. Aaron, what's this week's theme? Dad vibes. <laughs> I wish you all could see your face right now. It's great. All these dads <laughs> running around. <laughs> Lots of dad vibes this week. Let's go ahead and get into our chapter-by-chapter chapter quotes. All right. Who's daddy's first? <laughs> Pax's daddy. Pax's daddy, little known man known as uh, Darrow the mm, Reaper. I've heard of him. So uh, this is where Pax's dad is kind of eclipsed by Pax himself when he's proven to be worthy of his father's name when he comes out of the shuttle after he's doing all these dope flying moves that pretty much save uh, everyone who gathered to fight the Red Hand from the torch ship. Here's the quote. A ripple of recognition goes through them when they spot Pax and Electra, then understanding as they see the pilot halo Pax wears. It isn't disbelief on their faces when he takes it off. It is fulfillment. As if they believed in something once, grew to laugh at the naivete of their own conviction, only to see that they were right all along. I sense the weight of the moment, and it chills me. This is how the legend begins. The first boy, the son of the rising, fulfilling his parents' promise. He looks afraid to step into his new world as if he feared this moment but knew it would come. I wait for him to look at me to give him a nod of encouragement. This time, he needs none. With Electra at his side, he steps past me and into the crowd, which parts and raises their clenched fists in salute as they chant, his father's name. I follow at a distance. Wow. Powerful moment. I can go the distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we kind of see Pax here stepping into Daryl's shoes. Like, he's the first boy. And he has just saved all of these reds, all of these low colors mm -hmm. who were wronged. Um, and he essentially rallied them all together and then uh, showed off his... Uh, skills in front of them all and they're like he's just a boy yep he's grown up now and he's grown up quickly and uh, one thing one way we can see that is Ephraim notes that he is waiting for Pax to look at him for support and encouragement but Pax never looks at Ephraim he just steps right into this new world and this new role and so there's also some kind of dad vibes between the two of them. <laughs> Stop trying to make Ephraim a dad. Uh, he's like the drunk uncle, okay? At least to Pax. <laughs> yes, he's the drunk uncle to Pax, you're right. Thank you. Yeah. We see Pax kind of growing up here. 
He's growing into this new world where he doesn't need as much support. He's growing into this role that's kind of what what's expected of him. And I think we'll see more of it in the next book. I hope so. I just Pax is really fucking cool. He'll lead his own little army of reds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then our next quote is Volga and Ephraim. Obviously, uh, f- a father-daughter here thing going Obviously. on. Obviously. Everyone thinks that. <laughs> so Volga said, you came for me. Ephraim says, are you stupid? Of course I. And before I can finish the sentence, her arms are around me. For once, I don't hold back. I sink into the embrace. She is my home. She has been since I found her on Echo City. What a pity I only just realized it. Best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize this the first time around, just like how little time Ephraim and Volga get together again. Pretty much like one evening. Yeah. It's really sad. It's fucked up is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ephraim should have just let Sefi get brutalized. Maybe they should have just chilled for like a week. Yeah, and Volga's right when she's like, you don't owe them anything. Yeah. Like we don't owe anyone anything. Right. He just got he got this like soft spot for Sefi. I don't know. Or he like he came to yeah. respect what she was trying to accomplish. The old Ephraim would have never gone back. I don't know. I'm upset that he went back. It well, Pax was also yeah. encouraging him to go back too. You know. God damn it, Pax. <laughs> so uh, this is when Volga and Ephraim are catching up, and Ephraim apologizes for all the horrible things that Volga recently has gone through. And Volga says to him, without you, I would be nothing, still working the docks at Echo City, or dead on a stupid battlefield, or dead a dozen times before. She puts a hand over mine. You taught me how to survive. I am lucky. Not all girls have a father. Ben is just grinning at me. (laughs) (coughs) That one sucker punches me. Whatever you do, wherever you go, she pokes my chest, then her own. There is no distance between. Do you understand? My first point about this great quote is, I told you so. (laughs) 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 My second point is, this is just beautiful. I just, Volga, she cute. She's incredible. Yeah, we say it like every podcast, but she always has these tender really heart-touching moments and she's able to just get down she like is this distillation of pureness um even though she can like totally kill everybody yeah but even then it's like she's still so pure and just so uh, authentic and it's a great to see and like this line to Ephraim where she's like there's no distance in between you know wherever you whatever you do wherever you go I'll be there with you. It's just like, dang. And then immediately she lets him leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Can't you like overpower him? (laughs) What's that song? (laughs) Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be right here waiting for you. Is that Backstreet Boys? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. (laughs) That's what she's saying to him. Let's remember, write that down for the musical. Okay. okay. Yeah. As a note. Um, yeah, so there's no distance between. Do you think when his heart gets eaten, maybe there's a little distance? Yeah, he's gonna have to wait for her in the veil, I guess. Ugh. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty sad. It's just knowing that Ephraim is about to walk off to his own death and that all he's trying to do is sacrifice himself to protect Volga so that she has one little chance at a regular life. Yeah, like you said, he has a soft spot for Sefi, but what he's really doing is protecting Volga mm-hmm. by like having Sefi like defeat Fa basically. Yeah, they're trying to warn her. And then there's a bigger strategy to that too is like trying to get the obsidians back into the fold. So um next quote we get a little father son, father drunk uncle. <laughs> we get a father slash drunk uncle moment with Pax and mm-hmm. Ephraim. Uh, where Ephraim says, I walk Pax into the hall. Are you going to tell her, he, he asks. When I don't answer, he takes the chain from his neck and presses Trigg's ring into my hands. I'd nearly forgotten about it. You're a good man, he says. I laugh. Stop. Whatever you decide, you've earned the right to be called that. 
I mess up his hair and he takes that for answer enough. So just get this little cute moment. Little noogie. And then, of course, they're talking about, are you going to tell her, are you going to tell Volga that Ragnar is her dad? Major dad vibes. And then Ephraim puts the chain around his neck and then he's thinking to himself, like, how do I tell Volga this? And he thinks... I know you have always felt apprehensive about your own race. One part yearns to be one of them, so it idolizes their virtues and mystery. Another part fears the rejection and so demonizes their savagery. With that said, old girl, it has recently come to my attention that your seed donor is the most famous person of your race who has ever lived. Congratulations, you are the daughter of a god. (laughs) If his people accept you, which is a dubious proposition, and if they don't think you are an abomination... That must be cleansed. You get to deal with Volsung Fa, a man who eats hearts for supper. Enjoy your new life. So I say nothing because the world outside doesn't need another sacrifice. Not this angel, not my Volga. How sweet. What do you think about this decision not to tell her? I think that maybe he thinks he'll see her again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wondering if he does. Like, I think... He, at this point, is kind of decided, I'm going to go kill Volsung Fa, or do my best to kill Volsung Fa. And he, he's protecting Volga from um, the truth, but, like, I don't know, at the same time... Also, Steffi was trying to use her, too, so it's not right. like, you know... At the same time, like, it's not like Ragnar is, like really her dad like she was grown in a lab Mm -hmm. so like it's more of a bloodline thing like she is her own person she wasn't like raised by Ragnar you know right so he's like they don't deserve her like there's plenty of other obsidians that can fill this role yep I think he sees the same purity that we do in her and it's just like and he's like she cute yeah he doesn't want that to be uh, touched by all this war and this horrible drama and just everything that goes along with getting pulled into that war between uh, the obsidians themselves and now Volsung Fa and the Republic and all that just gets extremely complicated and it's not like Volga really deserves to be pulled into that just because she happened to be the seed of Ragnar where he's had like a thousand kids or whatever you know well they were all cold but yeah I mean still yes just like one of many hundreds so did Ragnar know they were like pulling his sperm? Did he like no go idea. into a room with a magazine? I would like, assume so. Let's collect today. <laughs> That's Morning weird. collection. Don't want to think about that. So next up, Sefi mm-hmm. uh, has some dad vibes. She meets her new dad. <laughs> her, old, her dad. She meets daddy's, her dad. Daddy's home. <laughs> it's like Christmas <laughs> when dad comes home. He not bearing great gifts, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm good on Christmas. <laughs> Let's just skip to the next one. So, um, too many hearts for me. <laughs> <laughs> after uh, Xanophon is like, yo, Sefi, are you a god? Sefi says, the blood of Ragnar Valaris runs through these veins. She says to the question, kneel on your knees or on stumps, I care not. The blood of Ragnar Valaris, Xenophon crows. The blood of a god. Alia was no god. She let the children of the spires languish in chains. She sold her sons to the stars for her own gain. From what wellspring, then, does Ragnar derive his divinity? If not from his mother, then it must be from his father. Mm, setting the stage for Volsung Fa here. This is before his song. Yeah, extremely dramatic. So... Obviously, everything he says, he's like prodding the uh, men in the group. Like mm-hmm. these these men have been abused and sent to slavery, while the women get to rule the ice. And he's very tricky with all that stuff. Very it's very it's tricky. Very good. And clearly, Atlas is pulling the strings here. They both basically say the same thing. Yep. Xenophon and. And Ephraim later thinks that to himself. He says, whoever this man is, he cannot be the father of Ragnar. It's a lie, a fear night trick. Kill him, slag tradition, slag what the war girls think. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Shoot him. 
Yeah, they definitely should have. Definitely shoot him. And we'll get more into whether uh, Volsung Fa is actually Ragnar's dad or a product of the Fear Knight here later on in the Prime 5. So my, my question is, mm-hmm. all of these Valkyrie hanging out with spears and axes, none of them have guns, really? Like, nobody in the background is, like, suited up? So that's the thing with uh, Obsidians is they're just so married to their traditions so in this situation like shooting someone with a gun would just be so dishonorable you would get killed yeah good that's fine (laughs) better than getting like skinned alive also where are their like great bows do we have like a sharpshooter like in the dis in the they really do need some secret service well they killed all their their scoogie so yeah (laughs) that was gross too (laughs) So then Volsung Fa is here, mm-hmm. and he's looking at Sefi, saying, what's up? I'm your dad. And he says in bold, have I changed beyond the sun, child, or are you now just a liar like your mother? He tosses his helmet to the floor and makes a seismic thump. Look upon this face and say you know it not. Sefi is shocked dumb. My father is dead, Sefi repeats like a mantra. So that makes me feel like she recognizes his face, kind of, doesn't it? So remember, he's clearly had cell rejuvenation. He's got like the blue lines or whatever. And then he he's had like repairs done. He's got like metal and stuff. Mm -hmm. So he's got the tattoos of a stained. So like the eyeballs. Yeah, it's hard to say, but. Uh, it does seem like in that moment that she actually recognizes him, the way she reacts, and the way it says Sefi is shocked dumb, that she does maybe recognize his face. But then, like you said, there's all these other things that kind of point to... Like he's too young. Mm-hmm. Sefi's dad should be 80. This mm-hmm. man looks like he's 50. Right. And then also, you know, there's carving. Everyone can look like anyone. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's got to be a combination, I feel like, of maybe this is like, maybe this is the dad's body that's been like reanimated. Like Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, he's like Frankenstein, Sefi's dad. He's Frankenfa. <laughs> yeah. He's alive. <laughs> and then our last quote is between Ephraim and Volsung Fa, and he asks Ephraim, is my heir alive? And... Um, Ephraim says, didn't you kill her? And this is a very uh, important quote here. Volsung Fa says, I had no chance to mold Sefi. She is not my daughter. When you have so many, they matter very little. Ragnar was my first. I taught him to hunt before I was taken back to the stars. Volga will be my second. She will be like clay. I will make her in my image that when the time comes, she will inherit the worlds. Too late. Ephraim's already... Made her in his image. <laughs> yeah, you could never make Volga a, a psychopath, yeah, a psychopathic leader that eats hearts. Yeah, I don't know who he thinks Volga is. Yeah, I just don't understand like why he wants Volga. Why doesn't he just do his thing? Like he's he's he who walks the void. So just like do your thing, man. Or just like grab any other obsidian. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, really, Volga's not even like big. Like, why don't you get a big, strong obsidian? I guess he just wants somebody to inherit the the throne. But, okay, the situation has got to be he wants to get Volga so that he can murder her, basically, so that she can't be recognized as the daughter of Ragnar and then maybe start, like, maybe bring together the other obsidians against him or for the Republic at this point. It's got to be the plan. But, like, no one even knows that it's Ragnar's daughter. Like, how would they even find out? And, like, some people do, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't know. It's like, who cares? They, like, we've had Aaliyah None and now Sefi. Yeah. Like, we don't need another Ragnar related <laughs> person here, you know? And apparently their dad. We got, we got the dad. <laughs> we got the whole family. <laughs> this is a very family oriented <laughs> tribe here. <laughs> All right. So, that's our theme this week which is dad vibes lots of dad stuff going on so make sure your relationship with your dad is okay after reading these chapters if you have a dad if you have a dad that doesn't want to eat your heart yeah 
<laughs> All right, that takes us on to our next segment, which is who died today? Who died today, Ben? Lots of fucking people died today. You know, we lost a lot of the red hand. Good riddance. Good riddance. Their we whole torch ship went down and then they were in the mine and got yep. captured. Uh, we lost a lot of Mars citizens. Mars. Mars. We did. So uh, thanks But to not those too guys. many, yeah. thanks to PAX. Shout out to Mars. Mars, good job. You saved yep. the day. Uh, the Skoogie. Skoogie got, <laughs> they got skinned and castrated and tossed down some stairs. Pretty brutal. Our guy Goodkind. Yeah, that, tough day that seems like something that, you know, they definitely did in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, that's like a Ramsey Bolton thing for sure. It's a very yeah. fucked up thing. Uh, you know, a lot of Valkyrie. I think like pretty much all the Valkyrie. That's true, because some tried to escape and they didn't. Where's yeah. all the Griffiths? Like, fly away, sister. <laughs> and then, of course, Sefi, Valara, Sefi the Quiet. Just brutally, brutally murdered. She's extra quiet now. <laughs> uh, and then Xenophon. Also good riddance. Trixie bitch. They literally got exploded. Vaporized. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was the one good thing that happened this week. And then, of course, pour one out for our, our favorite, I think our Dark Age MVP, Ephraim T. Horn. Moment of silence. I'm very sad right now. We're going to miss your quips. Hopefully Electra can... Your drug use. <laughs> well, he, <he's, laughs> he was sober when he died. <laughs> unfortunately Good for him. For him. So I'm happy for him. I bet he would have wished <laughs> to have had some Z before he got his heart ripped out. Uh, we'll always remember you, Ephraim. The daddest of all dads. <laughs> there, she finally admitted it. <laughs> and that brings us to our prime five five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters first off we got some really cool flying skills from our man pax with the halo on and remember mostly just blues wear the halo so he's like yeah like they're like like trained for it in an yeah. academy type thing it's Ephraim even says like he wouldn't be able to sink with the ship. No, he'd like seize up and yeah. die. So uh, Pax not only is half red, half gold, he's also a blue. He's just the best of everyone. And Ben, remember when you first started these books and you wanted to be a blue? Yeah. Now you can reconcile wanting to be a red and a gold and a blue <laughs> like Pax. <laughs> so this chapter is really cool. Very cinematic. Mm -hmm. Pour one out for Pierce's writing, mm -hmm. where we've got the big wave between the ship, and it kind of goes step by step on how Pax maneuvers and basically saves the day. It's that classic thing in every movie where they're like trying to get through something, and then they gotta shoot out the other side, <laughs> like. <laughs> and the ship blows up behind him. It's there's also a part where Pax is like on the comms and someone's like, is that a child? <laughs> that was great. And Ephraim's <laughs> like, just do it. <laughs> no, Pax isn't. He's like, just clear the path. Are you going to clear the path or get out of the way? I'll do it myself. Well, no, then he looks at Ephraim and Ephraim's <laughs> like, clear the path. <laughs> I'm in charge. <laughs> Anyways, he saves the day. Great flying skills. And now, of course, he is I Am Legend. So, yeah, do you think in like book six he's going to be badass pilot now i feel like he's gonna somehow steal a ship and like pilot it during a battle uh maybe yeah that would work i also think all these reds now that have seen him do this are now following him essentially his own legend yeah so he'll have his own little baby army the first boy <laughs> the son <laughs> of the rising <laughs> Don't forget, he's also the son of Mustang, <laughs> the best mom ever. Yeah, that's probably why he can handle the ship, you know? Right. Definitely not Darrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pax the pilot is really awesome. I'm, I'm hoping he gets to pilot a ship again at some point. Um, all right, that takes us to our next item on the Prime 5 list, which is uh, Volsung Fa. 
I just wanted to read off his titles, his Daenerys Stormborn titles. Did you um, notice this section? Is he the mother of dragons? May I present to the Volk of, of the Heatlands, the breaker of the Black Thrones of Ultima Thule, master of the Flesh Chain, bone maker of Karan, overlord of the Kuiper Belt and the Urt Cloud, terror of Cadovan and Ra, taker of Make Make. Taker of Make Make? Make Make? That sounds serious. Taker of Make Make, Hamia, Xena, Eris. Volsung, Great Fa of the Ascomani, Emperor of the Obsidian, and Broodfather of Ragnar Valer. Okay, Flesh Chain definitely <laughs> sounds like a sex toy. Master of the Flesh Chain. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds like a porn star or something. It does. <laughs> and Make Make. <laughs> you know, Flesh Chain, Make Make. <laughs> Master of the flesh chain. <laughs> I didn't even think about that until right now. I was now. like, oh, <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> when he was stripping down their armor, like somebody's like, Master of the flesh chain over here, right? Hey. <laughs> you see that? I know what they're talking about. <laughs> I get it now. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought those uh, titles were fucking badass, but also just insane. Like that's very a mouthful. Yeah, if somebody said that in front of me, I'd be like, "What?" Like, <laughs> run that back. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds very scary with all of that going on, though, and he is terrifying. Like and well endowed, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Also, he should be 80, but he's looking around 50. Yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. He's definitely had, so there's definitely like some carving going on. Definitely. Well, he's got like a metal trachea and then he's got something with his nose. He's also got metal like throughout his body kind of, right? Yeah, he's basically like a cyborg mm-hmm. at this point. And he's like super ripped, buff. And so uh, he's if he's supposed to be old, like that would obviously be hard to do. And we've seen old obsidians before, and they're like, they don't move very well, you know? You mean tongueless? No, uh, I was thinking the old raw guy. I forgot his name. The guy oh, that was hanging out the raw. Or g- no, 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 no. The raw, the raw grandma, Gaia. So, well, we do know that in the society, like, golds especially live a very long time with cell rejuvenation mm-hmm. and can stay pretty fit and healthy. Mm-hmm. So, however, he has had, like, his throat cut and the shit kicked out of him. Possibly. He also said he's lived three lives, so it seems like he maybe he could have died. He keeps dying, maybe. He really is Frankenstein. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of being Frankenstein back together and. Sorry, Frank and Fa. Frank and Fa back together and reanimated. Yeah. So uh, I would like to have some cell rejuvenation. <laughs> yeah, I need some for sure. Thirties hurt (laughs) they don't feel good and i think if i had cell rejuvenation even some metal you know i would be better off so my guess would be it's a combination of maybe fear night tricks plans long-term planning but also that he might actually be the vessel that was once ragnar's dad but maybe doesn't really know himself anymore i don't know but then that brings us to our next Prime 5, Ragnar's dad. Speaking of, Fa says that he like taught Ragnar how to hunt. Taught him to hunt. But, but Ragnar hasn't met his dad. And I've got the reference pulled up here in Morningstar right now. Let's hear it. This is on page 220 of the hardback edition, if you want to go look this up yourself. Hardback edition. <laughs> First edition of Morningstar right here. Ragnar says, I never knew my first father. He went to become a slave before I was born. My mother never speaks his name. I do not even know if he lives. So it is kind of setting up that he might still be alive. But, but boom, he's never met him. He definitely has never met he him. He definitely did not learn to hunt Yes. from his daddy. So either Fa is lying I think there's a couple pop possibilities here. Fa's lying. Second possibility is this series does have a few continuity errors, and this could be one of them. That's a possibility. But That's I don't think it's that because I feel like this is such a heavy plot yes, point, I and normally the continuity errors 
don't matter at all. They're like minor things. Someone turns out to be an orange and they used to be a red. Correct. I agree. I would agree this would be a pretty big mistake if so. So I think that we that means we know Fa is lying at that point. So So why is he lying? Is he lying because he's not Fa? Or is he like actually Fa trying to like prove something? You notice that he only says that to Ephraim, mm-hmm. who's not another obsidian. So I mean, I don't know. He's not claiming to know Ragnar in front of all these other obsidians. He more they refer to him as the brood father, which would brood father, you know, just mean exactly what Ragnar is basically to Volga. Like he doesn't know her at all. And you you have lab. to think some of these obsidians would have known Volsung Fa if he is whatever his other name was. Pale horse. Pale horse. Like possibly. They ha- there has to be some older obsidians that would have known him, right? Yeah, I mean, at least of him. So maybe it is the vessel. It's hard. There's like a lot of there's evidence pointing in both directions, really. I think so. It's it's hard to really nail that down if he is actually Ragnar's dad, or if he's just lying, or maybe it's a combination of both, where he kind of is, but he's also just a a plant and part of a larger fear night scheme. I don't know. I think we'll find out. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Volsung's Fa, can we just talk about the absolute brutality of Sefi's death? That It's definitely the worst death that we have read. In the entire series. In the whole series. And it goes wow. on for quite a long time. Yes, that's what I was shocked about this time. I was time. like, okay, uh, we know, we get it. Gosh, it goes on for like two pages. She's dying. Yeah, and two very long pages. And then it just gets worse with like each sentence is like, oh, then he peels back her skin and then he cuts her bones and then he pulls her lungs out. But she's still alive. <laughs> but she's still alive. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then like, he eats her heart. Yeah, <laughs> that's too much. I do, I do love the last thing that she says to him is like, Tier Morgo will eat your heart, and he's and like. And then she tries to. He's like, yell. I like how I also liked his response, where he's like, maybe my gods are fickle. <laughs> I was like, that's kind of badass. And then <laughs> she tries to yell, "Hear, hear, Gla Ragnar!" Yeah, but doesn't even get the words out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also, at one point, um, Ephraim says they're gonna bloody Gol Volsung Fa when he's like planning stuff with Osgard. That's true. And the opposite happens. <laughs> <laughs> and Folsom Fa eats two hearts like within an hour. That's kind of cause indigestion, you know? Well, he definitely eats Safi's heart. It takes him two minutes to eat it because it's a big old heart. <laughs> Ephraim's, all we know is he takes a bite out of it. And Ephraim probably has a smaller heart. Yeah. Also, do you think Ephraim's heart poisons him because of all his years of drug use <laughs> it's got to be like a wrinkly old so. i'm just saying that's a lot of heart to eat like when i'm more of like a one heart per day type of guy so yeah i don't know i like to cut my heart up and let <laughs> make it last <laughs> a couple of days do you put it in the freezer and defrost it later on yeah i sizzle <laughs> it up <laughs> oh you cook yours i cook my heart wow. yeah i'm not a savage <laughs> <laughs> Okay, moving on to Prime 5, numero cinco. <laughs> That's five. We've got Xenophon. They are just a deep, deep spy. And like they're very slippery. This is such a long-term plan from Atlas. We really see the levels of his planning at this point. The So the hologram we see of Atlas, he sent that obviously before he was captured. He sent that... A while back, and okay. Xenophon saved it, oh, and he, he wasn't supposed watching. to, and he keeps watching it because he's a creepy, because they're a creepy person, and mm. they seem to have some serious affinity for the Fear Knight. I mean, yeah. Yeah. They're, it's, it's their dominus, as they put it. Yeah, they are a pavor nocturnus, a night terror. They are part of the Gorgons, but they're not even like a regular Gorgon. They're like a super... Super Gorgon. <laughs> super Gorgon. Super secret spy Gorgon. First, Frumentarius Legio 
zero pavor nocturnus. They've got all kinds of designations. So deep spy shit. They're like like deeper than James Bond. Special forces spy, the kind that could end even a centurion's career with a keystroke is what Ephraim says. And then uh, they clearly are very confident in the fact that Ephraim isn't going to kill them, I guess. And uh, Xena is uh, very open with all the things that have happened. So they talk about Amel actually being an assassin, but that they were uh, just waiting till they needed to pin something on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Amel was Atalantia's spy. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, Zena says, like, she got too bold or something. I don't know. So, killed Amel. And then um, also. Uh, they say that they've been working uh, as a spy for years. And so we're just like, I don't know. This is just. It's layers it's of. W- it's wild how deep Atlas's schemes go at this point. Yeah. He's got his fingers in everything, including everyone's butts. <laughs> and it seems like the way that Xenophon talks about the Fear Knight, that he most definitely has his own separate scheme. Like from oh, outside of Atalantia. Yeah, outside oh, of what's sure. going on, on, on with Atalantia and the Society Remnant. 100%. He has something bigger and larger going on that he has been planning ever since he went out to... The Kuiper Belt. Yeah, I think the Fear Knight is an appropriate title because I'm afraid of what happens, even though he's even in custody. It seems to me he's like... still scheming. Yeah, it seems to me like in the next book, Atalantia is going to kind of go, and those golds are kind of go by the wayside. They're going to get destroyed. It's going to be Atlas that rises up, possibly with Lysander, or Lysander's going to be kind of in opposition to atlas on that side and then we're gonna have the republic obviously and then also abominadrius and whatever he ends up doing and the minotaur's still floating around invisible yeah he's now allied with lysander though by the end of this book so right right um it seems to me like i feel like atalantia is going to get the the kibosh pretty quickly into the next book well we need to kill somebody yeah and We've it's got too be many. Atlas, that's probably responsible. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Just wonder Ma- what the fuck he's up to. I don't know what the fuck he's up to, but for sure he's in custody. So hopefully, it slows him down. Atlas isn't. Not by the end of the book. Damn it! I forgot. <laughs> what happens? Well, they get defeated. Oh, so where does he go? Do we know? Well, he's just in jail, but I'm sure he gets broken out or whatever. Maybe he just dies in jail. I doubt it. I think they sit. I think he get. We'll get to it, obviously. But I think it gets mentioned that people were trying to get to him and they couldn't, or something like that. Okay, that was our prime five. Xenophon, you are a slippery little spy, and now you're vaporized. Um, yeah, literally the only good thing that came out of these chapters is Xenophon's slippery ass getting blown vaporized. to pieces. Yeah. And I mean, it was cool that Volsung Fa's face got blown up too, because now he's <laughs> he's gonna be more <laughs> ugly. <laughs> like he needed to be scarier with like just half of a skull <laughs> showing, with his nose blown off. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need his nose. <laughs> he's probably it's gonna have like a half metal face now. <laughs> it's easier to eat hearts without a nose. Everyone knows that. <laughs> All right, now that we've finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week, where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is... Seven hundred years of war. Seven hundred years of slavery. (laughs) Seven hundred years of war. Seven hundred years of anguish. I don't know the order. (laughs) Do you think he's going to call in again? I hope so. I mean, we need a call in from <laughs> Volsung Fa after we just declared him a primus. You're welcome, Fa. Now you don't have to come eat our hearts because we made you winner. That's true. This so is really about protection of so ourselves. So now we're immune to having our hearts eaten. <laughs> That's point. We do. I support his reign and the master of the flesh chain at all times. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I'm just thinking like now Ben's going to change his porn star name to Master of the Flesh Chain. Oh, yeah, it's done already. <laughs> it's going to be my new Instagram handle. Updated your website. <laughs> Congrats, Volsung Fa. You obviously won because you basically killed everybody. Mm-hmm. And... uh Good job. Well, well done. Yeah, I think we all know why he won, so we don't need to talk about it any further. All right, that takes us to the Howler voicemail. Yeah, let's hear it. Who do we have a voicemail Now for? that we're all under quarantine, this would be a great time for you to call in to the show. Yeah. Leave us a voicemail. We've only got two episodes left, so this is your chance to get on. Well, to clarif- let's clarify two episodes of dark age left and then we're going to take a corona break (laughs) and then we'll come back later we're not leaving forever yeah we won't be gone forever but there's only two episodes left of dark age before the the howler pod sabbatical (laughs) corona sabbatical (laughs) so if you want to get on the podcast before the end of dark age get your thoughts in now is your chance you can also email us at howlerandpod at gmail.com or call the voicemail at 1-800-516-1540. Well done. Let's hear it. Who's up? Our message today is from an old friend, Cowboy Howler himself, Dustin Turk. Hello, Ben. Hello, Aaron. This is your friend, Dustin Turk, from Temecula, California. I've sent you guys some artwork in the past, and you guys have been awesome to share it. I really appreciate that. I... Uh, I want, to, I want to say for the 500,000 times, th- thank you guys for making this podcast. I appreciate the hell out of you guys. You got, I, 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 uh, I really love what you've done done with the Red Rising community, and I, I think Pierce Brown pre- appreciates it too. I believe he does. I have a, I have a few comments. I, I, I have a many. I have several questions I would lo- love to ask you guys, but I'm sure your time is valuable. I need to uh, weigh in on the on the Daryl King song debate, which seems to be escalating. For me, it's a, the choice is obvious. It's Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Colts. Now, some, some people might disagree with me on that based on the, the lyrics, but but I like the allegorical themes. And I, I like to think Daryl might be into some old-school metal. I, I, I just, I think that's, that'd be kind of cool. Also, there's a, there's many covers of that song they're really badass. You can find them on Spotify. But there's a really good one by the Spiritual Machines. And I think it would be a great cinematic cover for any future Red Rising film projects. Also, I like to think that, it, that if, while Darrow's falling in Iron Rain or even Severo or any of the Howlers, I like to think they'd be list, they'd be blasting Fortunate Son by Creedence Clearwater Revival. I I thought of that just last week and I laughed out loud at work. I think it, that would be awesome. Also, I... I wanted to mention something that I, that I think you guys might have, uh, might have, that I thought was important about the Severo sleeper soldier theory. During Mustang's encounter with the clone, she, and she, she kind of mentioned that, that she doesn't believe that Adrius or Abomina Adrius has the ability yet to, to do the, to do the brain wipe deal, deal. So that kind of gives me some, a little bit of hope that maybe it won't happen. But even if it does happen, I I don't know. I feel like there's some hope that Devin might be able to bounce back from from that situation. I don't know. I, I've been watching a lot of Jason Bourne movies, and and the idea of a main character having amnesia isn't isn't uh, beyond hope to me. Also, you guys have talked about uh, maybe in the Maybe in the future, Pierce might kill kill off Daryl, and I don't know. That sounds like a big big change to me. But I, I, it seems to me that Red Rising is an epic story. And one thing I remember from my English high school course is that that the main one of the main characteristics characteristics of an epic is that the main character dies ultimately or, or just perishes, but in a meaningful way. That, and I, I could see, I could see that happening to happening to Daryl, and I know that will come as a, that will come as an unpleasant thing to you, Aaron. But if there are any fans of The Walking Dead out there, 
you all know that they killed, they recently killed off a lot of main a lot of main characters that we thought were untouchable. But I, and I and I and I'm not glad that they were gone. But it kind of gave the show a it kind of gave it, gave it new life. I thought. So who knows? It could, the same thing could happen to the Red Rising universe. That's all I that's all I got for today. Thanks for listening, and uh, let's keep this shit going. Love you guys. You guys are awesome. Thanks, Dustin. Yes, thank you, Dustin. Uh, if you guys don't know Dustin, he's a great howler artist, and also trains horses. Mm-hmm. So he is Mustang. <laughs> Uh, if you've seen the piece of Severo, like rocking out, like his head thrown back, rocking out, uh, you can see that on our Instagram. That was dra- drawn by Dustin, and it's really fucking cool. Also, we have a whole highlight on our Instagram account called Severo's iPod, where a yeah. bunch of howlers wrote in what they think Severo is listening to in this picture that. Dustin Drew. So if you have not checked that out yet, go check that out on our Instagram at HowlerPod. Let's get to these questions. Aaron, um, what do you think about the Howlers falling in an iron rain listening to Fortunate Son? Sounds pretty cool, actually. I know that song. I didn't know what that song was called, (laughs) but I have heard that song a lot. Um, I like it. That that has more of like a Avengers like feel, like Guardians Mm -hmm. of the Galaxy, like Mm -hmm. comical, funny fighting movie. So I think if that's the way (laughs) Red Rising wanted to play it, that'd be a great Iron Rain (laughs) song. I could see it like starting that way, and then something like blows up, and the song and like someone cuts, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, oh shit. shit!" Someone <laughs> just gets ripped in half. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> no, that's a good one. I like that song. And then, what do you think about Dustin saying that uh, he thinks Daryl's gonna die? I think a lot of people keep saying that, and I think that I'm gonna laugh at them <laughs> when they're wrong and when I'm right. I think I agree with Dustin. This is an epic story. It's going to require an epic ending, ending with an epic death. I have read plenty of books where the main character dies, and I think it's stupid. And I've also read plenty of books where the main character doesn't die after six books, and it's great. And it doesn't (laughs) take anything away from the story to let someone (laughs) not die. I'll be happy with a happy ending. I'm just saying I don't think that's where we're headed. Well, not after this dark time the world is in. <laughs> Pierce is going to spiral into s- like a killing mode and give everyone a flesh-eating virus and nobody's going to live. I did see him tweet the other day that isolation is good for writing at least, so maybe he'll get the book done faster with Rona quarantine. There there could be a bright side. I've also heard George R. R. Martin is just busting out chapters. Well, it took him long enough. (laughs) He should be. It's about goddamn time. Too bad we already know the ending. (laughs) His ending will be better. Didn't he inform the ending, though, the writers? Yeah, but, I mean, it's a different journey. It's, it's, I don't want to get into it. (laughs) Uh, Last thing, do you like Dustin's idea that, yeah, maybe Severo gets brainwashed, but he's, he could Jason Bourne it and come back, maybe? Okay. when I heard that from Dustin, I thought, I don't remember the Bourne movies. Mm. And his whole thing is that he's has amnesia. 
But then he doesn't? Uh, I think he, like, figures out what's going on with his life, but he still has the amnesia. But He's he figures like, why out am I good at fighting? Who he was, yeah. I kind of remember that. Yeah. I don't remember. Is it Matt Damon? It's Matt. Matt Damon. Yeah. He's hot. Really? He's got, like, a box nose. Like, his nose is shaped like a box. I didn't know Matt Damon was hot. Why the fuck do you think he's in all those movies? It's not because well, he's like he's good looking, but hot and good looking are two different things. He's very attractive. Really? Yes. Hmm. Even his little box nose. Look at his nose. It's shaped exactly like a box. Really? Yes. Never noticed. Little present on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Full Sung Fa, who has no nose anymore. I feel like Ben Affleck's hotter than Matt Damon. Ben Affleck is also hot until he's Batman and he gets so jacked <laughs> that his head shrinks into his shoulders <laughs> and then he no longer has a head. He's very burly. He got too jacked. Yeah. There's a limit. It's not like jacked. It's like burly. It's like swole. <laughs> <laughs> so like Henry Cavill for The Witcher, he's, he's, he's right on the edge of his head disappearing, <laughs> but he's like he stopped at the right point. When he was Superman, it did get pretty bad. He's kind of like deflated a little bit since then. He looks great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. He should have deflated a little bit. We have spiraled into a flesh chain <laughs> of conversation here. <laughs> Let's move on. Thank you, Dustin. Yes, great call, Dustin. Like I said, if you guys want to call in, we've got a few more chances, a couple pods left in Dark Age. Get your Dark Age thoughts in. 1-800-516-1540. What else are you doing? You're home. You're alone. You're on quarantine. Write us a fucking email. Leave a voicemail. Fuck's sake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> ben has clearly been alone <laughs> for a few days. All right. You know what's next? What are we into this week? I am into a lot of things. <laughs> Just I've been making. Consuming all kinds of content lately. Besides, I do. I am working from home, so I'm actually working. But <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but I started a puzzle. It's going well. Unfortunately, I only have one puzzle, so I have to make this puzzle last for God knows how long. Oh, I'm sure you can order one off the internet, right? I have to spray it down before it comes inside. <laughs> and then um I've been watching the Netflix series called Travelers and it's uh started in 2016 but i never watched it and there's three seasons i've watched like four episodes Is now that the time travel one um n- it's not time travel it's complicated but okay. basically right before or right when someone has a time of death um someone from the future is basically taking over that person's body hmm and the reason they're coming back to the past is to save the world. But we don't know from what. So they have all these missions and stuff. And there's groups of them that get together. Groups of time travelers. But it's not what you think. They're just taking over the body of a current human. Cool. If that makes sense. Yep. It's, a r- it's a really cool concept. And, um, yeah, like I said, Netflix started in 2016. There's three seasons. Plenty of content to eat through. Um and check it out. The actors are pretty good for the most part and interesting storyline. Ben, what are you into? I'm into a book called Universal Harvester, Jonathan Darneal. So it's this book that has kind of like a really ominous um, synopsis where it's about a 90s video store employee. So this is my kind of uh, person. Yeah, guys, Ben, this will tell him how old you are i didn't work there in the 90s just to be but ben clear. worked at blockbuster <laughs> when it was still alive in college yep um so anyway it's about a video store clerk in the 90s in a small town in iowa who they start having people come in and being like there's something on this tape and then he starts watching the tape and it's like these kind of disturbing scenes of a farm that's somewhere around the city that they're in and it's like people with like hoods on their faces and they're kind of being beaten sometimes or it's just like scenes of uh, farmland and stuff like that so it starts off with this like really kind of spooky premise um, but it kind of morphs into something totally different it's not exactly what you're expecting 
but it's a really interesting portrait of like Midwestern life and how people are around this area of the country that we live in, um, where they just like don't talk about things that are actually happening. They just talk about other things, you know, like don't talk about like their problems or like what's actually going on. They just talk about, oh, what happened at work today? Oh, the weather's outside is really nice. Uh, those types of things. And it's kind of an exploration of that Midwestern culture and this through this video store clerk who's like trying to solve this mystery of how this stuff is getting on these tapes. Is it scary? At first it's very like unsettling mystery? and okay. um, you think it's going to go like really horrible, but then it kind of, like I said, the story morphs about halfway through into kind of just this um, commentary, commentary kind of on, on the world and just family and, Iowa. Kind of thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's in the Midwest. It's kind of it's just kind of interesting. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's a really cool book. Universal uh, Harvester. And it's a quick, very quick read. So it's, it's worth. You, you need to start out. throwing out long reads. We're gonna be inside for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was like I listened to it as an audiobook, so it was like six or eight hours or something like that. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very nice. All right. What's coming up next on Howlerpod? We are getting into part four of Dark Age, the last part, chapters 78 to 86. Somebody else is going to die next week. Someone's going to die? No shit. <laughs> Someone, one of our favorites, though. We have uh, been reading Dark Age for a while now, Ben. We know our how Our favorites it goes. have been dying for weeks on weeks on weeks, and this is our final, this is the final one. This is the, the big, nasty one. This is when everyone dies. Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. That's at HowlerPod, H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. Check out our Etsy store. Get some merch. Online shopping is hot right now. (laughs) Email us uh, for the Howler mailbag at HowlerPod at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. You can find links to all this and more at HowlerPod.com. Tell a friend about the books. Make sure you're six feet away from them when you tell them. <laughs> Just toss the book to them and then well, sanitize it <laughs> and wash your hands. <laughs> Don't touch your face. <laughs> and uh, also tell everyone about the podcast. Great time to sit down and listen to a podcast. Right. Don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will give you a knife and you can stab your own eye out. <laughs> we'll drive you so crazy. Well, with yeah, our first. Brutality. And then we'll throw you a knife and you'll just go like, ah! <laughs> right into your own eye. Yeah, you'll do it because <laughs> you will know that five stars is the only thing to do. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. <laughs> <laughs>